you could focus on, for example, some 500 odd uh, legislators in the in the federal legislature, right, in the Congress. And um, if a majority of those people are orange pilled, then you're going to have an outsized effect on on financial policy. You're going to have an outsized effect on Bitcoin perception. The media will have a much harder time smashing Bitcoin if legislators are all about it. It will just be harder. You're listening to The Wake Up Podcast with Alex Fetsky, the place where the most dynamic thinkers and practitioners in the world drop truth bombs and contrarian viewpoints to help you become the best version of yourself. Find us on the Fountain app and send us a boost with a comment. Back by popular demand is my good friend, Rob Malka. After what was one of the most listened to episodes of all time, people wanted to hear us philosophize some more. If you've not yet listened to the original show, go and hear that one for his background story. Your mind will be blown. It's episode number 62. In this new Malka series, we start with an exploration of the Bitcoin Today Coalition, the state versus Bitcoin and their relationship, and the My First Bitcoin project that he's working on, uh, which is all about Bitcoin education. We do this before, in subsequent episodes, we move into some heavier topics, uh, including Nietzsche, Rousseau, and the like. You can find Rob's work at malkarobert.com. And remember to subscribe to the Wake Up Podcast for more. Enjoy the show. Mr. Malka, welcome back, buddy. Hey, hey. Hey. Good to be back. Um, It's it's an early morning. We're... uh... We're, we're both fucking half asleep. So let's, um, let's, let's make the most of this one. Um, I think we're probably going to do another marathon. Uh, actually, to, to give you a bit of an update, what I've, what I've started doing is instead of doing these uh, two and a half, three hour podcasts, um, I record them that way, but then I'm going to split them up into, um, into episodes, basically. So a little bit more like what Breedlove does. Um, so that way it's more digestible for people. So let's... Uh, Let's give this one all we got, and then we can we can break it down a little bit. Sweet. And then after that, we're just a couple steps from a, a postmodern podcast where you take random parts of the podcast and rearrange them out of order. Yeah, so deconstruct and then reconstruct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the plan. Sight. <laughs> cool. Um, so, dude, tell me. Um, last time we caught up, actually, you know what the 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 first pod- podcast that we did is actually in the top probably seven or eight listen to podcasts that I've ever done. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. And it was, we didn't even get to promote it properly because uh, what's it called? You needed some edits in there and, you know, then we didn't edit it and, you know, it took a while to get the, it was like this bit of a clusterfuck in there. Right. But it still got like the seventh most listened to podcast of all. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Oh, wow. And, and honestly, it was absolutely one of my, um, we had a great time. Yeah, we had a great time. We really yeah. did. Really yeah. did. And we obviously finally got to meet in um in Miami, which is good too. So albeit, man, that was fucking noisy, man. Honestly, after Miami, I was like, I'm done with humanity, I'm done with people. I just <laughs> want to leave for a little while. It's too much. I uh um I was talking to an Uber driver there and they said something like Miami is the best parts of Vegas and LA. Oh yeah, wow. you know, together. <laughs> And I thought, I think that would still make me feel the way yeah. I want to puke. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, uh, Jesus. Well, look, today we, we've got like a whole list of things that we can go through. But maybe maybe to just kick off to let people know um, about two, two of the things you've been working on recently. So the Bitcoin Today Coalition and the, and the Meep Jamad Bitcoin or My First Bitcoin uh, initiative happening down it is in salvador right that's where carolina mccarty is doing yeah okay cool yeah so maybe give, give us a quick overview of those two things and then we'll um we'll go get into some philosophy yeah so basically um i'm on the board of the bitcoin today coalition amazing group of people getting together to um educate legislators and regulators and policymakers about bitcoin that's it mm-hmm. super simple mm-hmm. so we've um been building contacts in DC and in the states throughout the United States. I mean, we're spoke- we're focusing obviously on the United States only right now, um, but um, the results have been 
Um, great. I mean, we, we push against the infrastructure bill. We've been stopping the New York moratorium bill. Um, we've gotten California senators interested. We have senators interested in Montana and Michigan, right? Um, I mean, for their state legislatures, which is, which is phenomenal. Um, and uh, interested in what? Yeah. Take it. Interested in what? Uh, interested in interested in creating a pro uh, regulatory environment for Bitcoin, a pro Bitcoin regulatory environment, which is um, I think what we what we want, right? We want miners to be incentivized to uh, to come to those states, um, right? We want stranded energy to be used. Uh, we want methane gas to be you know funneled in such a way that it doesn't just get up into the atmosphere. Um, there are all kinds of things, you know. We want to fight the ESG narrative and. I mean, it's a pretty outrageous narrative that never seems to benefit the actual environment in any way. Um, so I think, uh, I think, I think attacking, you know, there's, there are obviously several um, political attack vectors going on for Bitcoin. And I know there are a lot of uh, Bitcoin maxis who say, well, look, it doesn't matter what happens, you know, Bitcoin will survive. Mm -hmm. That's, that's of course true. Um, but I, you know, I have an interest in, I, and, and, of course, other members of the coalition, and I think members even you know outside of the coalition have an interest in seeing um, the United States get a geopolitical hold on you know on the future. Um, and places like the Central African Republic and El Salvador are obviously um, putting Bitcoin on, uh, making Bitcoin a part of their uh, their uh, financial system, um, and I, I think that's wonderful. Um, we would also like to take genuine political steps uh, toward um, integrating Bitcoin into the United States and letting it be a place that, that works, right? Rather than have a have a totalitarian CBDC world for any length of time. Um, so so, so, that, so a, couple, a, couple, yeah. a couple questions on that actually, because, um, and I, I go back and forth on this, uh, you know, in one sense I say that, hey, it's the state and the state apparatus and their cronies, fuck them. Um, they they should just um, dissolve uh, under the weight of their own stupidity. Um, and in the end, uh, we win. And we win by virtue of outlasting them. So it's similar to kind of how we have inadvertently won the COVID war because all the hysterics ran out of energy. You know, at the end of the day, that's actually what won this whole COVID battle was that, you know, it... it Hysteria requires a a level of energy to keep being hysterical, and everyone's just tired. They're like, ah, fuck, all right. So, like, you literally like there'd be zombies outside the window right now. It's like, oh, okay, it's Monday, you know. Like that. That's how I think you know tired everyone is from all the shit. So I guess you know, in the end, you know, my argument for Bitcoin is kind of similar. Is that it's like you know, hysteria, anti Bitcoin hysteria at some point just kind of end up dissolving because it requires so much energy to push up against. But then, you know, the other part of me is like, well, you know, having spent some time in the US and other countries and this and that, you know, I do see the value of, um, of having a, a foothold uh, in a territory uh, so that it doesn't go full retard. And, and that was one of the things that brought me to texas for a little while when i was when i was there um it was this i mean it was one of the only places in the world where you didn't have to wear a face diaper and you know you didn't have to pretend like the flu was going to kill you and all this sort of stuff and, and i guess one could argue that that was a function of the fact that you know there was some sort of political pushback um you know that that enabled that so so I don't know. I'm I'm always in two minds about this. So, so maybe we can unravel that a little bit because I know I know people listening to this are going to be you know on both sides of the fence um, and battling with that themselves. So the two sides are um, whether we should just allow uh, kind of a, a decadent exhaustion to occur, where Bitcoin then swoops in and saves the day. That's one side, and then the other side is um, no, we we tackle it now and we. I mean, look, here, here's, here's my, my simplest answer to this is that if there's a way to um, prevent needless suffering and to shorten the distance between living in a 
um, a world that has Bitcoin and a world that um, has Bitcoin later, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I think we should just have it sooner. Um, I I think I think Bitcoin is so full of positive incentives, right? That um, that I, I don't see why we wouldn't want to have it sooner rather than later. Okay, and and are you convinced that um, the actions that you guys take, you know, in a political sense, are actually uh, contributing to the goal of sooner, or, or or do you think it kind of adds like cover fire? You know, the old um, the old uh, justification for shitcoins is that they provide cover fire for Bitcoin, um, so the Bitcoin can do its thing, and the legislators and everything go after the shitcoins, right? Um, you know, is this to a degree as opposed to you know, maybe maybe the stuff that you guys are doing there and other political movements around Bitcoin don't actually um, don't actually help the Bitcoin cause. They just confuse the totalitarian cause. You know what I mean? So like kind of it's like throwing spanners and confusion and shit in the in the works so that they can't actively uh, cause problems for you know people who are holding, using, and wanting to participate in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Well, I guess I mean I guess this is so. So I guess, but the way the way I look at this problem is something like um, once you've orange pilled somebody, mm-hmm. there's no going back for them, right? They would have to abandon. You know, once they recognize what it is and how it aligns with their principles, then they have to abandon their principles. If they have no principles, then okay, great. You know, that's a person that's like that. We just move on. Um, but the calculus is that not all orange pilling is is created equal, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can try to orange pill um, 350 million Americans all at once, uh, mm-hmm. or allow them to be orange pilled on their own, which is you know, albeit a more decentralized process, and that's great. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that it takes longer. Or you could descend. You know, you could you could um, focus on, for example, some 500 odd uh, legislators in the in the federal legislature, right, in the Congress. And um, if a majority of those people are orange pilled, then you're going to have an outsized effect on on financial policy. You're going to have an outsized effect on Bitcoin perception. The media will have a much harder time smashing Bitcoin if legislators are all about it. It will just be harder. They won't be able if you know they'll even they'll have an even harder time. If it's both parties, uh, if it's bipartisan, if it's bi- bipartisan effort. So Senator Lamas has partnered with uh, Christian Gillibrand um, to, uh, you know, co-sponsor this this bill that Lamas is putting forward, which is great. Um, and I mean, I think there's something there's something to that, right? So I, I don't um, I don't think it's even about cover. I think it's just about opening opening the door, right? We just need we need the door not only to stay open, but um, every time something like this happens, right? Bitcoin dies, but it doesn't actually, you know, it's died like 130 mm-hmm. times apparently. And then um, and then every time something like Luna happens, and then every time something like Ripple happens, that adds more fire to Bitcoin. And then um, every time a senator starts to say something like, no, 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 I think our laws are wrong. You know, Bitcoin is not quite a security. Bitcoin is something else. Um, you know, we should take it very seriously. It's not going anywhere. You can't just convert it to proof of stake <laughs> like some mm-hmm. environmental groups want to do, which, you know, good luck with that, man. Um, uh, you're going to, I mean, yeah, I just, don't, I, I just don't see how that hurts. Like, I don't, I don't see how that pulls us down. Um, if anything, Right. I think the United States will create a CBDC anyway. I think the government is a, um, funnily enough, this centralized thing has a lot of, um, as it were, decentralization within it, right? There, there are different mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, aspects within the, the United States government that will disagree with one another and, and are sort of fighting over who has control over policy with respect to Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. Um, and uh, um, and so, you know, the dust hasn't settled yet. And so we're just sort of inserting ourselves into that, into that whole affair and saying that Bitcoin deserves an outside role, outsize role and consideration in the United States. And it, it deserves that because it will uh, promote the well-being of United States citizens. And it certainly, you know, the U.S. certainly does not want to be last on the Bitcoin train. Um, this is a national security issue. 
This is a um, you know financial inclusion issue. Um, uh, yeah. Um, okay. And you so, know whatever. Like it also helps the environment. Fuck you guys. You know like whatever the the environmental the environmentalists who don't know you know in what ways proof of work is extraordinarily helpful. Um, totally. Yeah. They're just fucking backwards morons. Exactly. They. Um, okay. So. Yeah. I mean, does that does that sort of get at your question, or did I did I miss it? Yeah, yeah m- mostly. I mean, I'm asking obviously the hard questions, right? So it's like you know, it's not just um, because yeah. obviously my my position has always been one of you know lo- looking at the the state apparatus, for example, as the enemy, right? And why help the enemy? Um, you know, let's burn the whole fucking thing down. But as as you mentioned, like within within this apparatus, that there's actually uh constituents which don't represent the enemy so like you know cynthia lemons is a good archetype of that like she's actually you know she's a good person i've met her um you know she's 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 not the state right she she is in the apparatus but she's actually uh you know trying to i guess turn the wheels you know in a in a in a better direction i i, I guess where I kind of maybe um, stumble on this whole, you know, broader picture is um, the incompatibility of something like Bitcoin with, you know, a broader federal government, right? Like they're, they're kind of two concepts that don't really fit in really well together. Like, um, you know, f- for me, it's, um, you know, m- maybe this is like a, a Trojan horse thing. And, and I don't know how much we can discuss this, you know, on, on a podcast, you know, that is, <laughs> um, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's like, you know, I, I wrote that whole Bitcoin is not democratic series and, you know, the, the whole series kind of by the end of it, I, I was just writing. Right. And I was letting the ideas take me where they were going to take me. And by the end of it, you know, the, 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 the big realization was that, you know, once we're on a Bitcoin standard, this nation state idea is gone. Like this, this large scale government idea is absolutely gone. It just doesn't, doesn't fit. So this is where I wonder, like, um, I mean, if there is people in the legislature who, who understand that and actually want that and are working towards that fucking hallelujah, that's, um, that's a good thing because if the, you know, if the U S becomes, you know, the, the coalition of 50 states um, instead of, you know, the nation state of 50 states. That's a, that's a major, major boon to the world. Um, so I know I'm kind of, I'm kind of talking around, talking around the topic here, but. Yeah. I mean, I, look, we, we keep it sort of very, very narrow, right? In no way do we, do we push something like, the end of the nation Look, state. Yeah. <laughs> the, the United States will have a CBDC. Um, we don't discourage it. The United States, of course, intends to keep the US dollar. We don't discourage it. Um, all we say is that Bitcoin is promoting, and I think this, you know, the, this is the whole point, right? That, that Bitcoin um, promotes a better United States economy. Um, it's Bitcoin is if you choose to use it this way for now, um, an investment, um, and uh, it's an asset that millions of Americans have put money into, um, and that has very real, you know, that and the the Bitcoin economy has very real effects for the United States um, and its constituency and its citizens. Um, that being said, you know. Um, I find I find your point really fascinating, right? The dissolution of the nation state. I guess I, what I would ask is something like, do you think, what, what makes you think that the federal state would disappear, but the 50 states wouldn't? Like, in other words, the 50 states are, are pretty mm. much as arbitrary as the federal state is. Right. Mostly, it's 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 a it's a matter more of scale. That that's I think where you know you uh, the 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 smaller the um the territory, the the more easily uh, you can orient yourself a little bit differently, right? So 
you know, you can have a California that looks very different to Miami, that looks very different to Texas, that looks very different to New York, etc. Um, and they can operate based upon their own more local guidelines. And and I mean, even a city is, you know, obviously, sorry, a state is even, you know, too large a territory, you know, to a degree to 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 be functional. But it but it is still a a better step than a federal um, level kind of government because. Um, I mean, you know, having a few bureaucrats in DC have any say over what somebody in the country in Texas does, for example, is fucking ridiculous. Like it makes no sense whatsoever, right? Um, so, so, so it's just the, it's it's a it's a function of scale, and I just think that a realistic, like, I mean, the ideal world would be that we dissolve the states as well, and we just have cities, um, and you know, the the American continent is made up of a whole host of cities that you know form alliances and coalitions or whatever um and you know they kind of self-govern um in a way that is more uh locally cohesive um but that's that's probably 50 or 100 years away so and it's not going to happen tomorrow but um you know moving towards a world in which the federal government can't do shit basically um and the states have you know the locus of power uh, locally um which america is the closest thing to that already right america is already that kind of a structure which is fundamentally what gave america an edge during the last two years of the clown world simulation right um had america not had had the states not had enough autonomy um you know it would have been another australia like australia's got seven states but they all did the same thing. They're all fucking Nazis. Um, so, you know, b- because the, the federal government has the primacy over there. Um, so, so anyway, that, that's kind of like my, my position on, um, you know, a, a large scale federal government requires an entire bureaucratic apparatus, which requires the ability to issue your own money, you know, so, so it cri- requires all these primitives that kind of Bitcoin dissolves. Um, so that's kind of where I see an incompatibility between the two. Right. I mean, it, I mean, I guess um, we're going to sort of this this um, ideal stage here, where uh, the United States and other nation states have have jumped onto a Bitcoin standard. The mm-hmm. the government would still be able to what? Um, the army would be uh, all volunteer, and the money toward it would be volunteer. Um, right. It would be, I mean, taxation will probably exist, would probably exist in that world for some time longer. Um, immigration policy would still be probably a, a strict, would, would still probably some, be something, you know, very, very much relegated to the federal side. Um, I don't know. Possibly, I don't, possibly, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe that transforms. Cause I, I think that has, major scope for disruption you know this idea that uh immigration transforms into more of a commercial transaction which is uh you pay a membership fee and you can enter and i don't give a shit who you are where you're from or whatever um or you multi-sig some bitcoin and you're fine like i don't care about passports anymore well there was a time when we didn't have passports correct uh, yeah yeah pre pre-19 i mean 1913 is where they really got like uh solidified which was for world war one right. um but pr- prior to world war one there was like you know rich people or um you know royalty etc they had passports mm-hmm. which existed for not for um giving them permission to enter places but allowing them to have banking financial relationship where they entered new territories that mm-hmm. was that was the original purpose of a passport and if you were a commoner or something like that you know and you were just moving you just traveled across no no one gave a fuck there wasn't some border check to see who you were or whatever like you went because there was no welfare state so no one cared if you moved into a new territory you came and you worked um so so like you weren't you weren't sucking from uh the state apparatus because the state apparatus didn't have a welfare uh system for you to suck from right um so 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 none of that you know shit needed to exist before it, it all kind of exists now because you know the, the threat of people coming in is 
a, a function of you know sucking wealth and resources out of uh, the productive class. Now it is also a function of you know preserving some sort of uh, you know cohesive culture. Like that that is also also a danger, and that that then becomes more of a territorial thing. Though it's like you know what what do we as a territory uh, want to allow to enter? But but I think. I mean that, that that's you know not a not a solution I can conjure up on a podcast. Um, nor nor can any of us really conjure up a solution for that. I think that is something. Without this sounding like a cop out, but the market will solve for. Like we we will figure that problem out. Like the 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 culture clash problem. Um, and something tells me that cities and boroughs and things like that seem to solve a lot of that problem themselves anyway um like every major city that i've been to kind of has pockets like i mean la you know you've got like you know the korean section and you know the you know chinatown and this that like pe- people seem to naturally congregate around things anyway so so it's a i don't know there there seems to be a an emergent solution to a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, that, that's, I think, um, that, that's a, it's not a simply solvable problem. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to play devil's advocate and mm. um, see if there's, so, so what does El Salvador do, right? They, they create a series of incentives for, for Bitcoin, you know, and Bitcoiners. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening is El Zante becomes a, a beach for a bunch mm-hmm. of pointers to show up at and live at. And, um, and so the, so there, I guess there's a, right. This would, this would sort of delegate um, culture back to local instead of global and global sucked, mm-hmm. right. It took, mm-hmm. it took a bunch of people with unique, um, with unique ways of dressing and holidays and so on. And then everybody wears jeans now. You know, mm-hmm. everybody celebrates the same holiday. Um, there, I mean, there must be tens of thousands of local holidays that have since disappeared or become mm-hmm. uninteresting. Or, you know, I mean, we had, um, it was in Santa Fe, New Mexico for some time. And we, there's this uh, sort of burning man that comes up every year. And it's not the festival, but it's this, this guy named Zozobra. And they, like, they all congregate and they burn this big guy. Mm-hmm. And I wonder um, how many, how many of those kinds of holidays have started to disappear now that everybody moved into the city and, you know, Mm -hmm. so, so what might end up happening is people actually feel empowered to, to, um, structure their local society in all kinds of ways. So for example, um, there's one very recent issue that's, you know, highly salient at this time, um, which is, uh, abortion, right? So Mm -hmm. a place that's, highly, highly anti-abortion, right? A whole series of cities that are, you're, you know, if you really care about that issue, you probably never live there. And then people who do really yeah. care about that issue will probably congregate there. Um, so there will not be doctors who perform abortion within those cities for, you know, a million obvious reasons. Um, the hope mm-hmm. is that, <laughs> the, the hope is that, uh, you know, for whatever side of the issue you're on, um, that you're, 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 the population is vital enough that they just want to run you out of town. You know, mm-hmm. you go to one part of town and you're like, hi, I'm an abortion doctor. And they're like, get the, get the hell out of here, man. I don't mm-hmm. want to be with you. And then you're another guy who's like, oh, I'm, I'm not a fan of abortion. And you're in, you know, a part of California that is a fan of abortion. And they're like, oh, dude, <laughs> you got to get out of here, man. This is not your, this is not your scene. Like we really care about that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so it, it may very well be that when people feel like their decisions have immediate impact. They're actually vital and empowered again. And then, um, so, I mean, it may, you may very well be right that, that what, what has to end up happening is we have to recreate if thanks to openness, there will be organic recreation of environments in certain parts of the world, in some cities where, uh, beautiful cultures will start to emerge on their own. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Um, yeah, we'll get, my my guess is that we'll we'll move towards a lot more diversity, um, but not in the not in the fucking woke sense, right? Like where you try and force, um, like th- this is where the diversity nuts and the and the lefties have it completely wrong, right? They try and enforce top down diversity by ramming people who 
may not even like each other, they, they ram them together and they put them in a box and you have to work together. It's like, well, no, fuck you. Like pe- people like to coalesce around. Like I, I, I made, had this uh, recent distinction between like-minded and like-valued. And I think like-minded is what creates like useless echo chambers, whereas like-valued is what creates a strong tribe or a strong community um, or a strong local scene. And, and, and you want to be around like-valued people. And a lot of the time, like values are related to like culture, right? Um, or, or, or like bringing up because like a culture is this, you know, aggregate of, of values in some sense. So, so you know, th- that doesn't mean that everyone has exactly the same value or has exactly the same thing. So, so to your abortion point before, like, you know, you could be someone that is kind of on the fence or generally like, you know, thinks that, hey, you know, abortion is not a great idea. Um, so because that's like low on your values list, for example, you may be in a place, you, you could well live in a place that is pro-abortion or anti-abortion and it wouldn't matter to you because it's not totally up your thing. But maybe your number one value is, uh, you know, self-defense and you want to carry a gun around. And if that's your highest value, then, hey, you know, there's some places that, that is you know central to the values hierarchy in the territory that you're in and what ends up happening is you end up as you kind of said you get these organic kind of cultures emerge uh that i think are way more healthy and i mean imagine imagine a world where you could actually go once again and travel to all of these different cultures where everyone is genuinely unique like man that that's how you get some breadth and some I can only imagine what it would have been like traveling a hundred or 200 years ago, you know, where, you know, if you were like a German and you go to Indonesia, right? Like the, 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 the difference would be mind boggling. Um, whereas now you go from here and like, I remember I went to Bali the first time, like 10 years ago and, you know, everyone's flying into Bali and guess what the most packed out um, venue was in Bali? When you land at the restaurant, oh, at the at the airport, don't say McDonald's. It was McDonald's. I'm sorry. Oh my god! Like I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me?" Like, but that's what happens, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's embarrassing. So so anyway, like I think um, yeah, the the, the dissolution of these like you know obviously globalism is the worst. Then nationalism is kind of the second culprit, um, and then you kind of like you know, go down from there. And I know I, I look forward to a day that we have some sort of, you know, cultural diversity again, um, where, you know, we, we I mean, it'll, it'll be very different. Well, I, I just, I just wonder how long it'll take. And, and my, my hope is, I guess, the optimistic part of me is that um, doing stuff like what you guys are doing and, you know, stuff that's happening in Salvador. And I noticed that there was also this, like, meeting in Salvador or 44 nation states or something like that, talking about Bitcoin. I don't know if you know anything about that. Um, I've been off Twitter for a while, so I've got no idea, but I just saw it the other day. Um, you know, my, my hope is that basically Bitcoin infects everything in such a way that, uh, you know, the, at least the globalist apparatus, you know, kind of collapses in on itself. Like I just heard that um, the, you know, Brazil is kind of, not going to listen to the uh the world health organization or whatever anymore and you know russia's signed out of it so it's kind of like you know that this fragmentation is happening anyway and if bitcoin can kind of either accelerate that or or throw more of a spanner in the works um so that large-scale coordination can't occur then i think we're in a good place and we're, we're traveling in the right direction once more yeah um I mean, I, you know, I can confirm that, uh, like the world economic forum is, is putting effort into, um, <laughs> into, uh, blockchain as a way to centralize authority rather than, mm-hmm. right. So, um, they're, they're interested in that problem. Um, it's a problem to them. Right. So, uh, so there, there will certainly be some kind of, I mean, you know, I don't know, they can keep toying with it all they want. I don't know how far they're going to get, <laughs> um, but uh but that's it right yeah i i agree with you i think um short of the short of the fact that there are a bunch of bombs 
um, in armories, you know, or wherever they exist. I don't know where you store bombs these days, but you know, wherever they're stored, uh, like short of that being a problem. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Because it costs essentially nothing to take a bomb from point A to point B and drop it. Um, which is a, which is a real problem and we should Mm -hmm, be, mm -hmm. we should be thinking about that, but separate from that, there is, you're right. There, there is nothing they can do in the long term to, um, stop Bitcoin and it's in the self-interest of everybody, but like whatever, 400 people, do you know what I mean? Just some very, very slim number mm-hmm, of people mm-hmm. to adopt Bitcoin. I mean, everybody benefits from it, but the people near the money spigot. So this is, a um, this is a long game that's playing out. I mean, pretty damn quickly. Like the, the dominoes are falling every week. It's as you said, mm-hmm. I think it was like a whole bunch of central bankers, um, some, you know, many from, uh, to my knowledge, many from Africa, maybe wrong about that, but they all came out to El Salvador and I, you know, I'm sure the conversation was, was excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's happening really quickly. Um, well, one can hope, one can hope. I mean, you know, sometimes I think that, uh, you know, that there's specific people that are attracted to politics and central banking that no amount of orange pilling is ever going to work on. You know what I mean? Like, they're in those positions because they want to rape and pillage and they're like wait a minute like you know what's that guy's chuck sherman's name you know he 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 understands bitcoin so well and he knows that hey man this is an existential threat we need to kill bitcoin as soon as possible because it's going to fuck up our ability to uh you know rape and pillage from the system like i've been doing this shit for 40 years and you're going to take away my job fuck you do you mean uh brad sherman Brad Sherman, that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever it so do you mixed up Chuck Schumer and Brad Sherman, which oh, is gee, yeah, there you go. <laughs> they're not a, they're not that they're not that different. I uh, I get it. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's my my uh, my knowledge of American politics. No, um, no. Uh, the irony but, of all this is that I was an intern at uh, Brad Sherman's office uh, when I was a, when I was younger many many years ago. So that's oh, a very funny kind of uh, very funny kind of irony. Uh, <laughs> he does he does know exactly I mean, there's no way he doesn't know exactly what bitcoin is he's a smart dude um yeah. so i think i think you have him you have him pinned exactly yeah yeah totally so so that's that's the thing so so i i wonder when you know these 44 you know central bankers come together they're like i wonder how many of them are genuinely there because i think you know one thing we have in this uh in this day and age is you actually do have some good people with good, you know, morals and virtues that are, you know, trying to go into whether it's, you know, central banking or politics that are, that are trying to make a change. Right. Um, little do they know. And I think Giacomo Zucco says this really well. It says, you know, politics does more to change you than you can to change it. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe the, the existence of, um, of something like Bitcoin, uh, it means that going into change politics, for example, or to have a positive impact in that arena, uh, you know, there's this finally something to latch onto uh, or to use. Because uh, I, I just saw your face there thinking about like Giacomo's comment. You know, he, his comments based on the idea that you go into politics, you know, kind of naive and you know, wistful, thinking that you're going to change everything. And what ends up happening is you see all the shenanigans around you like you see the the most corrupt and crooked um getting ahead because they're they're doing whatever they want like they know that politics is a means of extracting wealth not creating wealth um so you you are there doing the right thing getting poorer and getting dumber and making enemies while the you know the person who's doing the wrong thing uh is getting richer um, and making friends and moving up the ladder um and what it ends up happening is it has this effect on you long term which is for you to compete, you need to start, you know, transgressing your values a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. And, you know, you take that out 10, 20 years, then all of a sudden you're the person you went in there to fight. Um, but that's just the way it is. Right. Um, and, you know, that that's why you know, most career politicians become career politicians. Yeah. I Well, look, I think that's the great thing about Bitcoin, right? It's a no compromise issue. Mm, mm. like it or you don't you can't be half for bitcoin like what is your support and what isn't and so if there are political pressures against it and you have any shred of integrity um bitcoin will ground you right in other words am i supporting the network or am i not supporting the network um so 
I think I think you're right in the sense that Bitcoin maybe changes. Um, I mean, the fundamental modern modern incentive of politics, right? It wasn't always about money, right? There were points where um, politics was about the maintenance of a certain culture, the maintenance of a certain class, which is not the same as money making. Um, and so we've we've um, I don't know if I want to say fallen far from that per se, but we've certainly separated ourselves very much from this idea that there is an, a certain aristocracy that demands its own sort of self-sustenance uh, through politics, through the political sphere. Um, and we we become engaged in exactly what you said. Uh, the more money you make, the better a politician you are, or the more money you can um, make yourself or your constituency, the better a politician you are. And that is a very different, I mean, fundamentally, you know, much more democratic ideal than the one I just, I just laid out in a sentence. So, um, so when you, when you have that problem, um, uh, yeah, I mean, insofar as that is the, is the paradigm we're operating in, yeah, Bitcoin fixes that. If the mm -hmm. paradigm was about aristocracy, Bitcoin wouldn't change anything. It wouldn't mm -hmm. matter. You know, mm -hmm. that's just not where we are. Um, so, um, I guess that's my, that's my first response. And then what did you say after that? Um, um, I'm trying to remember so that I can respond to the second piece. Something about like, uh, look, I, I guess I wonder how many people are actually genuinely there. And once the, the, the penny drops about Bitcoin, whether they become a Brad Sherman or they become a Cynthia Lummis. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Wh which one? Which one are they? Because you know, do, do they see Bitcoin as a threat? It's like, holy fuck! <laughs> wait a minute. I'm I'm sitting here on the monetary spigot, and I'm making money for nothing. Mm -hmm. um, why the hell would I want to bring this thing into the territory that I'm operating at the moment? Because I'm going to lose my beautiful privileges at the moment. Fuck me! I don't have to work. I don't have to do shit. All I have to do is push a button, and I make you know millions. Um, now with Bitcoin, I'm actually going to have to work. This is fucking ridiculous. No way. Um, yeah, I mean, this came back. Yeah, so two thoughts. The first is, you know, um, people do think that you can build your career in the opposite direction, right? And then you'll get to a place where you'll finally feel more comfortable as you get bigger, and then you can turn around and what, like, adopt the position you originally adopted when you were young. I, I think that's, I think that's ridiculous, right? If you're, if you're less secure. That's when you want to be open about who you are and what you are, and then mm -hmm. um, when you get bigger as a result of that, it'll be much easier to be who you are <laughs> rather than getting comfortable for the opposite reasons and then speaking up. I think that's you know it's a very hard thing to do, um, for sure. Um, in terms of sort of where the where the penny drops, um, I guess I'm optimistic. My thought is that people will um, realize that they're making something for nothing, but that there's no, there's no such a thing. And so they're actually just making nothing that's being valued currently as something. And, mm. uh, and I think once people realize that they can use that something made of nothing and put it into something made of, you know, a digital something, um, that really has that really has that scarcity. Okay. I think I think that's an advantage. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if anything, they would feel incentivized to go that way and just keep this spigot open for as long as they can to get more Bitcoin. Which yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So, so that, see, see, that's that's what I'm looking for. Is like, yeah. what is the? Because I, I start from the premise that everyone is selfish and just looking out for themselves, and I, I, I also, uh, you know, adopt the the idea that if you can make more with less. Um, you're going to be incentivized to, to, to go there. So, so that piece, what you just mentioned there is that maybe, you know, they, they realize that like, man, this Ponzi that I'm, you know, operating within ain't going to last very long. Um, but holy shit, there is something here. And, and MVK kind of calls, you know, Bitcoin the last Cantillon effect because those of us closest to Bitcoin early on, we're going to get disproportionately wealthy in comparison to everyone else, but that's going to be the last of it. Once that window closes and the world kind of moves on to Bitcoin, that'll be the last time in the history of humanity that someone was close enough to the monetary spigot to get an unfair advantage. Because I mean, you and I are basically Bitcoin cantil cantiloners, you know, to to, a, to an extent, because whereby virtue of having come across Bitcoin 
sooner than 99%, at least, especially to our understanding, 99% of the rest of the world, um, we have a huge inside edge. Like 90% of the world will, I would even say 98% of the world will not even have a whole Bitcoin. Like that is like a, you know, a, a, a ridiculous amount, right? So, so yeah, maybe maybe the um, the calculus is that they 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 found gold, and they're like, I'll use this position to acquire as much gold as I can, and by virtue of Bitcoin's, I don't know, its force, its strength, its stability, its uh, you know, it kind of enters through that dimension and then it infiltrates the actual territory and then you can't get rid of it. And then when you can't get rid of it, um, you know, it, uh, it wins. So, so it's a, I guess in that sense, that that's the Trojan horse angle. Like uh, that's what I'm always trying to think of in mind is like, what is the Trojan horse that gets it in? And, you know, are those 44 central bankers there to help the people or are they trying to find a way to help themselves and inadvertently help everyone else? Oops, by accident, we saved everyone. Yeah, well, I mean, the central bankers, I think the answer seems pretty obvious. I don't really, you know, I don't, I'm not necessarily a fan of the central bank and there's, uh, there's, I, I mean, I don't know how much we can really do with them policy-wise, right? What we just do is we leave them their autonomy and our focus is on, again, is on letting Bitcoin emerge organically for precisely the reasons that you say that it will, it will, once it, once it enters the place, it, it spores out and then it wins. Mm -hmm. And um, right now it's not quite, it's not, it's like, it's gotten into some local places much more than others. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so it, it's, uh, it's slowly breaking down um, a cancer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, that kind of healing takes time. Yeah, yeah um, really. You know, uh, and I think I think um, it will it will take some time before certain uh, certain elements of the of the tumor, as it were, uh, break down because of their density. Yes, there are other parts that get swept out in the peripheries at first. Um, so you know that's just a, that's a very long and slow process. Yeah. yeah. Speak, speaking of that, like so so. We've got this uh, infiltration of Bitcoin at the at that end of the scale, and then the other thing you're working on is the my first Bitcoin with the boys down in Salvador. So that's a that's an example of the opposite end, and that's one thing that uh, you know there's that meme that is like there's children born uh, that are you know coming of age now that are you know becoming teenagers that are younger than Bitcoin, <laughs> like you know I, th that that idea is like mind boggling because. You know, as much as I don't like that book, The Fourth Turning, like the the generational shifts are are a thing. Um, and growing up in an age of uh, Bitcoin only, particularly, I think I don't know if it's you know the current digital age, like it's the you know whatever they call them. The what's what's the latest generation called? I don't even fucking know. Like I think they're called alphas. I think I think it's some kind of brave new world joke they decided to say that there's alpha they're going to be alphas betas gammas deltas oh my not God. joke right. yeah um we gotta stop that like, stop yeah that. okay well whatever um, is the the generation that is kind of running the show at the moment the, the kids that were born in like the early 2000s oh I think those are zoomers oh they're zoomers okay so i think they're fucked <laughs> i think oh yeah well tell me more yeah <laughs> Sorry, you're Dave, humor listening. and you're listening. You're <laughs> fucked. You're fucked. I'm sorry, but like I I I say that kind of uh, how can I put this? Like, unfortunately, they were um they were lacked a tether to uh, like I think the last great era of uh, of um of America was the '90s, right? Like you had you still had like the you, you had this innocence before before 9-11 basically america still like you know post-1971 and everything was fucked up but like you know the 60s the 70s the 80s i think were kind of like 
the, the, the magic decade, right? And then the 90s were also kind of like on that peak. But after the 2000s, like, I mean, what, what are the 2000s remembered for? What, like, no, they remember they're nothing bad. good in the 2000s. Like, you know, the movies all sucked. Like, every, everything started going downhill. And then, you know, obviously the 2010s were even like more useless. So at least, I guess, kids our age, we kind of grew up like 80s, 90s. Like, we grew up in the, you know, in the golden age to, to a degree. Like, we, we had a foot in pre-digital and we got a foot in digital. So we kind of had like some more based values, I guess. Um, so, so I wonder if, um, you know, the, the Zuma generation got screwed because they kind of inherited a complete clown world and they, they grew up in two of the most ridiculous decades uh, possible. Yes, there was, uh, you know, the internet and all that sort of stuff, but I, I don't know how much the internet's actually improved our our lives like that's a for me that's a question to be to be asked but i get the feeling that the kids that we're gonna have so the 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 2020 generation i think they've got a real shot at uh rebuilding the world because they will have parents that are at least um had a foot in the prior and the new so so anyway where i'm going to with all of this this is another potential fucking tangent but i just wanted to mention the the my first bitcoin and how that is a way that teaching kids about bitcoin at the grassroots like they're going to be the next generation of people who for them to go and open a fucking bank account and to deal with like paperwork it's going to be so alien and so foreign it's gonna be like what kind of a fucking idiot would do this like what do you mean what do you mean money on paper like what, what do you mean metal coins like what the fuck is wrong with you like it's gonna be bitcoin or you know nothing basically so so anyway i, I went on a bunch of things there i don't know what you want to what thread you want to pull on i mean i i have to address all of it man you you said a whole ton of shit there's there's no way i'm not gonna i'm not gonna answer any of that um <laughs> I almost, I think Smetsky almost uh, spit out his uh, drink. Actually, that was uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alex. I I totally lost. So let me see. So um, uh, okay. So as far as as far as my first Bitcoin, um, yeah, it's the goal is to educate hundreds of thousands of kids in a year, right? We just have no time. We want to raise a constituency of kids who really, really fucking gets Bitcoin. That's step one, right? Um, that I, I basically played a part in, um, developing the curriculum. It was a small team. It was like basically, basically four of us, um, and amazing, amazing group of people, wonderful time. We built, uh, we built the program, uh, at first the 1.0 version was translated into Spanish. That's, um, being used right now as we speak at the very first, um, required certification program for Bitcoin at a public high school in the world. Um, I cannot, nice. yeah, I cannot overstate how, how cool that is. Um, and, uh, it's a 10 week program, some 12 odd hours, right. Uh, roughly. Um, and, uh, um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a little more than that, but you know, um, and so, uh, the kids are receiving it very well. Um, and uh, in June, they're gonna they're gonna culminate from this program, um, the high schoolers, and I think that'll be a very magical moment for us. Um, we are iterating on the curriculum quickly. We're also building, you know, sort of a workshop program for teachers. Um, so we're gonna scale this thing, and then we're gonna translate it into other languages. We're gonna, you know, disseminate it through the world, and then um, at that point, you've you've if if we keep to democracy, right? Keep to democracy worldwide, then um, those voters will all be pro-Bitcoin. You know, like that's it. That's the answer to the question. Doesn't matter who you are, where you're coming from, you will be part of an education program that is hugely pro-Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. And um, that's something I'm thinking about on the Bitcoin Today Coalition side, right? Just change state policy for financial literacy and K through 12 to include Bitcoin, right? Small change in the code, Huge, huge change in the students. Um, so, uh, so I'm thinking about the education angle from from both sides, right? Which is to say, actually building the 
curriculum on the ground and uh, for both teachers and students, and then modifying the legislate, you know, the, the legislation, uh, you know, just any any legal code um, that mandates financial literacy or education, so that it includes Bitcoin, um, tacking from both top and bottom, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know, Bitcoin's Bitcoin's. I would say this is this is sort of the way I've come to look at it. Bitcoin's only attack vector outside of itself is education, period. There is no other attack vector for Bitcoin. It doesn't need another attack vector because we do the rest, right? Mm-hmm. We sort of, we manifest whatever whatever defense of Bitcoin we can by understanding it, um, having understood it. So um, so once you've, once you've really dug into um, the, the education piece, I think, I think that's where you stand your ground. Um, outside of that, the technical innovations being done for Bitcoin are, you know, improvements on Bitcoin, which is, which is, you know, we, we deeply need those obviously. Um, like, but, like yeah, what I, do you mean? What do you mean? I just mean, um, you know, the lightning network, for example. Okay. okay, okay. Yeah. Right. Like just iterations on it, um, or, you know, building, building, um, uh, from the base layer. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I looked, I looked globally at the, Bitcoin situation, and I realized education was was the place to go. So when you set up a podcast on Bitcoin, right, you're adding to that. When you are teaching orange pilling, you're adding to that. Um, so yeah, that's that's what that's what adds to the power of the network. Um, and then I, I guess you know when I said uh, security of the network, of course, it, I'm also saying that doesn't include you know miners, obviously mining, having your own node, but that, those are all ultimately education. You know, uh, mining is an economic problem. And then having your own full node is an education problem, right? So you see how, mm-hmm. you know, you basically have the economic side, you know, supporting the Bitcoin network itself. And then there's the the other piece, which is knowing how to use it properly. Um, and that's Bitcoin in a nutshell. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, the, the, way, the way I try and think about it is if we taught, you know, Austrian economics and libertarianism to kids in school, uh, we'd have a much more functional world. Like instead of if we weren't reading the fucking... Uh, communist manifesto but we're reading Bastiat's the law right we, we'd have much better individuals so we may as well teach them about bitcoin early on and the chances i mean i'm sure some percentage of them it's just going to go through one ear and out the other um and whatever but you, you don't need much you need five percent ten percent fifteen percent to to truly get it and that go, they're the future um when I say leaders of the world, I don't mean leaders as fucking, you know, Joe Biden politician, right? I mean, like, leaders, because real leaders are not political in nature. Real leaders are people who inspire others around them. Um, and and that's, if they grow up viscerally uh, understanding Bitcoin, not just cerebrally, um, you know, the, the world moves in that direction. Well, yeah, I, oh my God, I had a whole response to what you said, but I really just want to talk about the nineties so badly that I, yeah. <laughs> we have to go back to that. Um, All right. I remember Pick whichever one. Uh, <laughs> no, well, I guess, you know, a thought that I had sort of related to your question or your, your point is that um, it's actually, I think I would suspect that educating kids um, the, the kids who receive a Bitcoin education really well versus the ones who don't are, are probably also proportional to kind of the, the cancel out effect, right? That is to say that the richer kids are not going to receive Bitcoin as well and the poorer kids absolutely will. Mm-hmm. Um, the attention that the kids in El Salvador had had in this pilot, we were like, this is almost too good. These kids are are like taking this in too almost too well. Like it's not a test on the curriculum. But I actually think that that's what we should expect, um, that kids are going to realize that they will have their own financial autonomy. That, and they, that's all they really need to know. So kids who have never seen money realize that they can have their own money, keep it, nobody can take it from them. Regulations are no longer applied to them in places like Africa, um, where, you know, as a continent in general, the regulations are crazy burdensome and very it's very difficult to set up a business there. So um, in most, most countries on that continent. So um, if you're a kid and you know that and you make that connection or somebody helps you make that connection, you're done, you're in forever. Whereas mm-hmm. if you have a lot of money and your parents give you an allowance and you run the credit card and you order things off Amazon, um, Bitcoin is a, 
superfluous luxury. It doesn't really mm-hmm. matter to you, so you're not going to receive it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so when you say 10, 15%, I think that number is much, much higher outside of places like the United States. Yeah, most likely. Definitely. Most likely. And then here in the US, you know, you're more likely to meet somebody who's into Luna or something, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which makes a lot of sense. They want quick returns, speculative returns, because that's partly because they want a yacht and partly because it's a status symbol to say that I made a million dollars in three days or whatever it might be, right? Um, I get invited to all the cool parties if I made a lot of money in a few days. And that in, that's interpreted as some kind of savvy when it's really just luck. So mm-hmm, kids mm-hmm. in other countries are not about luck. <laughs> they don't know how much they're going to get. So you're just going to see the situation very differently. Thank you for listening to the Wake Up Podcast. Find us on the Fountain app and send us a boost with a comment. I'll try and read them in tweet and send you a shout out. And remember to grab a copy of the Uncommunist Manifesto and join us in defeating the plague that is consuming our world. Thank you.